rest of y'all are stuck with me. You drop the kid off and come back, Dustin. She didn't call you a helper. And she, they have snacks down there. They're just animal crackers, though. Popcorn? Let's just all go. If y'all had popcorn, you'd end up throwing it back at me, and I ain't about that this morning. That's not a you right there. All right. Man, you can tell when it's vacation season, right? There's some people at the beach. I hope they're sunburnt and having a good time this morning. Now you're making me feel bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring that back. I hope they are not sunburnt. We will pray for banks when it's all said and done today. That is not good. We will see them when they get back. All right. I am massively thankful. Um, Luke asked me to preach. He was going to be out of town. And um, you know me. I love to, to do what I want to do, and that never works. So I, I have to tell you that I think that I struck at least onto something that was relative to a handful of you because uh, whether it was after service two weeks ago when I preached or um, thus within the next couple of days, uh, I heard from a handful of people, not a congratulatory thing, not a boasting thing, but said, man, you were, you were diving into a place that I find myself stuck to be. He didn't want the popcorn either. It happens. Listen, he'll want to give him about seven minutes of my preaching. He'll be like, dad, I'm out. But thankfully, a handful of you said, man, I, you know, I tell you what, that I, I think you were preaching to me, at me, whatever, um, so that that's, that's my affirmation that um, I, I have to listen to what God wants me to say and do, and I'm not great at that. I, I love to say what I want to say and not what God wants me to say, and it's fantastic. So I'm going to do things differently again this week because that's just how I like to do it, um, and I'm going to pull a Luke. He's not here, so I'm going to pull a Luke. Luke always starts with where we ended. And so it's only been two weeks since I preached, and, and I liked that text. And there's a couple things that I think I always leave, and I say, man, you know, you, you prepared all of this stuff, and you, were, you thought you were going to say this, this, and this, and you didn't say this, and you didn't say this. How, how dare you? But um, So <clears throat> two weeks ago, I preached on the, the, the ideology that gratitude and anxiety cannot happen at the same time in your brain. Um, and, I, and I think that that is a, a marvelous neuroscientist wonder of the world because uh, gratitude's not easy to come about, uh, but anxiety is really quick to come about, right? Amen? Thank you. I, one of y'all's got to pick it up. I just noticed that Phil Schaefer's not here again. That's my amen corner. So when I look up and it deserves it, that's, it's, if he's not here, one of y'all has to pick that up. But I thought it was really awesome that, to, to realize that, that, that in, physiologically in my brain, I can't produce gratitude and anxiety. Uh, the, one of the things that I don't think that I really harped on all that well was that the gratitude doesn't have to be gratitude about what you have anxiety about. It can be gratitude of any sort. Of any sort of thing. Like if you're excited like me, if the McRib comes back at McDonald's and you're grateful. I'm going to preach on this side over here because we have our Mc... No, I'm just kidding. I really don't... That was the first thing that came to mind because I'm a larger than normal guy and people get excited. I tell you what, I tell you what, it's this Thursday. I have gratitude that Taco Bell is bringing back the Mexican pizza. We can, hey, hey, there you go. All right, so no, no, we're going to get you closer to the altar, ma'am. So let, let's go with this. At the next point of your anxiety, 
you think about that Mexican pizza and you give gratitude to God that, that, that he allowed Taco Bell. I'm just kidding. That's pretty, uh, pretty frivolous, but that's the reality is that gratitude needs to come. The anxiety needs to go away. And, and I touched on a piece of scripture, and I'm going to try to go full circle this morning. Um, and that piece of scripture that says that we are not supposed to be anxious says in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say that in all of those things, I've got to be content. So keep that back if you weren't here two weeks ago. Um, it, it was about figuring out how to be content in your circumstance, not letting anxiety overcome, but finding a place of gratitude. So I wanted to part two that Luke and I were talking. He's like, you just, just go on with that. Well, I found out that I can't really part two that, right? It just, uh, that, that text has got what it's got and it's given you what it's given you and we're moving on, but it's going to come back full circle because I do believe wholeheartedly that this was something that we all deal with whether you want to admit it publicly out loud or not, but anxiety comes about in everything. We stress out and we fret over a lot of stuff. Amen? Little, big, financial, spiritual, like it is part of our everyday life. There's something that happens that anxiety is a part of. And it's super easy to read this and go, well, the Bible says not to do it, so don't do it. That's great. Doesn't exactly work like that, right? I mean, that, that's just the reality. So, so here I sit this week. Um, because I don't like to prepare long in advance because that's just the story of my life. And, and I sit this week and I start to figure out, okay, so let's, let's, let's go even further about how do we get in that contentment and what happens when battles come? What, what are we looking at as a society? So I find myself, and this is not a, uh, this is not a, um, advertisement for modern day worship music, uh, but I'm going to play a song that's been heavy on me for a minute. Um, and as it came about, there's something in there that struck me to where I ended up finding that God wanted me to preach this morning because it's where he gave me all that, that he wants me. I'm going to go with what he wants me to say this morning. So bear with me.
Somebody will grab those lights. That would be fantastic. Thank you, sir. All right, so that's a look into the glimpse. And I'm not a walking billboard for modern-day worship music. I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all. But if you even remotely have the same amount of voices or the same amount of distractions in your head as I do, it is not the easiest thing in the world to just stop and let everything get out of your mind and get one-on-one with God. Amen? And I could, it could be my ADD. I could, you know, make it all kinds of things. I could say that I'm so busy at work. I could make a lot of excuses, but it's not easy for me personally. So, like, I can be kind of scatterbrained and listen to what God is telling me for me, but I, I have to give it more attention if I'm going to pray and say, God, what do you want me to teach your people on Sunday morning when I've got the adults? My maturity level, and this is not where an amen goes, just I'm a precursor to that. My maturity level and abilities are great for teenagers. Like, that's my level. <clears throat> I, that's my level, right? But I have to get more mature when it's time for a Sunday morning with adults. you got to get a little bit deeper. Y'all can giggle and laugh. And, yes, I am the fun one. I get it. Luke is the super deep one with all of the words and all of the things. And I, I know my place, and it's good. But, but when I have to get alone with God to say, all right, I, I can't babble for 45 minutes. I need a solid word. Where are we at with things, right? So I was excited about how I ended two weeks ago because I felt like the Lord gave me a decent word to give to you guys, and it was affirmed because there were a few people that said, man, I, I think you were preaching to me. I, I like that sort of thing. It's not in my ability. It's in the word that I allow God to give me. So I said, you know, this, this week I need the same thing. So my personal preference is to dive into listening to music like that, whether I put my AirPods in or everybody's in bed and that's super loud. And I, I, because I've got so many voices in my head or so many things going on or whatever it may be, not like psychological voices in my head kind of a thing, but I got a lot of things happening and I'll say ADD, but I have to read the words on the screen while listening because I don't know, I don't know if that's a left brain, right brain thing. Um, but if I'm reading the words as they come across the screen in a song like that, then I can't think of anything else. Nothing else is happening in my mind. I do the same thing with the version Bible app. I, I don't know if y'all are like that, but I like to read the version Bible app on my iPad, but I push the button and let the guy talk. I know it's weird. He's got that cool monotone voice. But if I'm looking at it with my eyes and hearing it with my ears, I don't have any room for anything else to be happening. And, and for me, that's how that functionally goes because I, I, I don't listen well. My wife says I hear, but I don't listen. <laughs> it's not where that goes. <clears throat> She's not here to defend herself. Uh, she gave me one last word of encouragement. She used to try to tell me not to give any jokes. And we all know that I, I don't listen to that. But she told me this morning, she said, you got to slow down. I said, honey, I got one speed, but I only had one cup of coffee. So we should be good. Two weeks ago, I had three. That was frowned upon. I was sweating and everything. So that song came on. I'm going to move on because it's almost time, right? Um, that song came on, and here I am listening, and I, and I love worship music because it helps me turn one-on-one, takes my worship vertical, helps me start in a conversation when sometimes I don't know where to begin or what to say. And as that song goes along, it's phenomenal. It's obviously, oh, God, I need you. Nobody's going to argue with that. But there comes a point in the middle of that song that says, you know, thanks for making a shepherd boy David courageous. And, and the part that starts to like sucker punch you in the face that says, I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. 
And that started a spiral whirlwind of things. I remember when I was, this is probably 15 years ago, there was a book out called Facing the Giants. I bought it at an airport one time before I had to fly somewhere. I read like seven pages. I don't know where the book is now, and I've never finished it, but I've heard that it's a phenomenal book. <clears throat> I say all that to say my attention span is fantastic, but you know, we, you know, we ended two weeks ago talking about things that happen in life and how to learn how to get content. I want to continue driving that point home because I think that's where God wants us to be because when we are content in our situation, no matter how big society would say it is or how problematic it looks financially, spiritually, whatever, but if we get content in that situation, we are only trusting in God, not self. Amen? And that's, and, and that's not an easy place to be. We love to take things to the foot of Jesus, and as we turn around to walk away and say, it's yours, I'll give you 72%. And I'm going to, I almost did the math. I don't know what the math was up to. That's 20, 20 what? Yeah, thank you. I, I don't know where 72 came from, but Lord, I'm going to give you 72%, and I'm going to leave again with 28. And, and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to let you do most of it, but um, he's either Lord of your life or just not Lord of all. That, that's just the thing. If you leave it with him, you got to leave it with him. So, so I am in that song and I hear, well, I might not face Goliath. Thankfully so. I ain't trying to fight. I'm 41 years old. I've never been in a fist fight in my life. I know it looks like I've been beat up all my life, but I've never been in a fist fight. I've never faced a Goliath, but I, I've, I've got my own giants, right? So that made me go, all right, just for spiritual context, I don't really ever preach Old Testament, I don't. It's just, it, it's not something that I'm grandiose about. But um, so here I go. We're going to do it anyway. So I started reading the story of David and Goliath. And for those of y'all my age or older, um, I, I'm going to need you to not think of the VeggieTales version because you're going to hear all this stuff and you're going to, in your mind, you're going to be hearing those voices. But I need you to catch the story because something jumped out in this story to me that. It wasn't part of the story before, and, and that's where I'm going to be. So I am going to go Second Samuel. No, 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 I'm not. There we go. That's why I got to wear the glasses. My wife told me last week, you either got to put them on or take them off. I can't see y'all with them on. I can't see this with them off. So I apologize if they go on and off. And I don't feel like at 41, I'm old enough to wear them like this and still rock this look. So I'm just, they're going to be on and off. It's just how it is. I'm going to stand right here because I need the light. All right, I'm going to go to First Samuel. And I am going to be chapter 17. I'm going to start in 31. You don't have to follow along unless you want to. Uh, you can later when you watch this again and take your notes and all that cool stuff like we do. Um, but it's going to be the story of David and Goliath. But I'm going to go back for a minute and start to catch on some of the things that I think make this valuable to what we read. So in verse 31, it says, When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. Saul was the king, obviously. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth, and if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. 
And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So let, let, let's stop for a moment because I'm, I'm going to keep reading here in a minute. But we've got to get a visual picture of all what's going on because I absolutely love context and I don't ever want anything that I say to be taken out of context. So we all know the story of David and Goliath. Saul was the king. David was just a shepherd, right? He had a lot of brothers. They're all warriors, but David is not one, right? And so up until this point, uh, think about why David is there. David, David's dad told him he had to go check on his brothers and take some stuff to him. So that's why he's bebopping that way, and he hears all this commotion. You can go back and read all this. I don't have to read all this to you this morning, but that's how we get to that point. David hears that, that this Philistine, this massive Goliath, is, is speaking against the God of Israel. Well, he don't put up with that. He's like, wait a minute, <laughs> not today, Satan. That, that's not how that works. Like, that's not okay. And he looks around for what's happening. Nothing's happening. Everybody's scared. And so David's like, bro, I got this. It's me, right? I don't think he said it like that. But he said, Saul, I'll go fight this dude. So Saul's like, no, no, no. You're just a shepherd. You are not a warrior. And he said, he said let, me, let me give you my, I like this. I, I like reading this. And I'm not even to the point where David killed Goliath yet. But I, I love this. When, when David's throwing out his qualifications about, I can whip this Goliath that nobody else will touch. Here's why. He said, he said uh, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear that took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. So he's like, I'll fight a lion and a bear. I, I've done it. It's okay. He said, after I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth, and he rose against me. So, so I took it, but he came back again. He said, I, I caught him by his beard. Are y'all with me? There we go. Look, read that. I caught him by his, just think of, just visually for a minute. Let's, let's play in the VeggieTales world for a minute. Like David's trying to give his qualifications, and he doesn't say, I just beat him up and took him back. Like he said, I caught him by his beard. Nobody likes to be, that's why I keep it short. Nobody, nobody likes to be like held up by their beard. He said, then I struck and killed him. But the part that I think is the most worthy of all of this, it says, your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go ahead and be with you. So David, when he gave his qualification, didn't say, I did, I did, I did. He said, I have done this. And he said, the Lord delivered me. And I think that's the first part that I started to get hung up for a minute. And I was like, okay, okay. I like that recognition where it's due. So let's keep reading. In 38, it says, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Y'all are all playing this out in your head, right? cartoon visibly kind of above your head. Y'all don't do that like I do. All right. You know the story all as well. We're going to keep reading. And the Philistine moved forward and came near David with his shield bearer in front of him. So he was full on garbed up. David is not. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. See, this is where I started to notice that David and I had a lot in common. Young, handsome, and no amens right there. Okay, no more jokes this morning. All right, so, but it's worth noting that Goliath looked down and he doesn't see a warrior. He sees this cute shepherd boy. 
you know, kind of uh, handsome, clean cut. I, I, don't, I didn't really look at what ruddy, R-U-D-D-Y means, but it's got to go, what? Oh, nice, that's not me. Okay, there we go. So that's what he sees, and then you got to imagine that Goliath giggles, right? And the Philistines said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? That's where the VeggieTales come in, because y'all all hear that. Y'all all hear that point. That's the best piece of VeggieTales there is. But the, he says, Are you a, am I a dog? You come at me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I'm going to stop. I was going to read the whole thing, but we know how this ends. Amen? We, we know how this ends. David's like, don't, don't, don't do that to me. He takes one stone, plops him in the forehead, <clears throat> lays him out. Cuts his head off, carries it around, takes his armor with him, puts it back in. T- it's, it's, it's all that. That's what he did. I don't know. The VeggieTales probably stopped at the part where he knocked him out and everybody was in the Philistines left. But he straight cut his head off to take it back because that was the deal. That's what had to happen. That's just what you did back then when you conquered something. You just cut their head off. It's, it's what it is. But the part that really struck out, stuck out to me as I was reading through it, and I'm trying to stay in the valley of being content in the situation means that I have to be trusting in God at all. And I want to keep this, this Philippians piece because we're Old Testament reading right now, but we are New Testament living. Amen? Well, one more time. We're, we're Old Testament reading, but we're New Testament living. Amen? Okay, cool. So back over to where we tried to end two weeks ago. It said, Rejoice in the Lord always, but do not be anxious about anything, but in everything prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. And that was my point two weeks ago was thanksgiving and being you know, gratitude and gracious and all of that sort of stuff. But here I've got David. David's not supposed to be fighting Goliath, but he's headed that way. We end up in a battle with a Goliath in front of us, and we've got things to overcome. What do we look at? The problem is, is we live in a, a massively social media style world, and we see all kinds of people surrounding us that don't have the same problems because they don't post about it, right? So we, we think we're on this island alone, and we're facing battles ourselves, and, and we're doing things that nobody else is doing. But, but as you see, David starts to talk about what he can do, And then he gives credit where it is due. He says, I have done this with my hands. I have defeated this and I have got back this. And then if they got away from me, then I grabbed them by their beard and I killed them again. Not again. I killed them then and I got it back again. But he said, the Lord delivered me. Every time. So if, I, if I'm going back to this Philippians verse, and it's, it's a long stretch for a minute. We're going to get there in a second. But if I go back to wanting everything to be prayerful and everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, that's how I find out how to get content in my situation. You guys are facing Goliaths. Amen? They happen whether he's little or big, whether he's financial or spiritual, whether he's your next-door neighbor or whatever. You all face Goliaths. Amen? Wow. I'm going to go back to this side because that was <clears throat> the way that I understand life and how it works from the moment of salvation to the moment the pain goes away that I talked about. It started in Genesis and it leaves in Revelation. Throughout all of that time, we sing songs like there is coming a day where no heartache will come, but there's heartache today. Amen. There no more sorrow will be there. No more pain, no more burden. It's all coming through my head. But that day we're singing about is coming, amen? We're living today. 
right? So whether you want to call them a Goliath, a giant, or whatever, adversity, trials, things that we are not content with yet that God wants us to be content with happen all the time. Amen? <laughs> Big, small, no, no matter. So David comes in. He says, this is my qualification. Y'all aren't fighting him. I'll fight him. Saul says, you can't fight him. He said, he is dissing the God of Israel. We can't let that stand. Y'all ain't doing it. I'll do it. He says, I, God has done this for me before. Why wouldn't he? He has no idea why God wouldn't do it for him again, right? We don't live like that. It's not, it's not easy to get to that point. Here's the part that stuck to me for a moment. I read through it, and I didn't like it. I read through it. I went back, and I read through it, and I said, man, that, that's my hook that, that makes us understand how that story can be applicable today. So Saul finally gives in. What's he say? He says, fine, go ahead. What's he do? Saul gives David his armor, right? David was fit by God to be a shepherd. That's his clothing. Saul was fit to be a warrior. So what happens when David put on Saul's armor? He can't, that's, what, that's what it says. He, he, when he put on Saul's armor, not one piece of it was accurate, right? It was too big. He was a young, slender, shepherd boy, probably not massive. Armor in those days were fit for a person. They were fitted for you. So I'm going to read it because it's important, at least to my point this morning. It says, Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. He tried in vain, but couldn't go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. David wasn't worried about taking Saul's armor. He, he didn't say, I can't do it. I, I, I have I have a strong suspicion that as we go through life, we start looking how to deal with our problems with somebody else's armor. You know somebody else that's done something. You know, hey, hey in case none of y'all got it, that, that row right here, they picked it up before it was all the way out of my mouth, and I like it. So we live life seeing somebody else's self-help book, and we try to pick up somebody else's armor to go through a problem that's ours. When in doubt, we were supposed to act a little more like David. David said... That's obviously not what God wants me to do because it doesn't fit. I was going to bring one of my shirts and put it on one of the children, but there's not enough children here, and a lot of kids get freaked out because I'm loud, and they won't come up here, and it would have just gone downhill quick. But imagine putting this 2XL shirt on Tucker, my littlest one, and he just walks around. You can't fight like that. But he didn't stop and say, Saul, I was wrong. I was wrong. I can't fight Goliath because your armor doesn't fit me. No, no. He went back to the beginning and said, I'm going to fight this guy because nobody else is, and I go, my God will protect me. Amen? I think that is the point of getting content, but it has to start. It has to start, like Philippians says, in prayer and supplication. If we look up supplication, that's not just prayer. That's specific prayer. That's, you're going to pray. Supplication is very specific for what the matter is at hand, and then with thanksgiving. So, so David's like, I'm doing it, right? And he's successful, not wearing somebody else's armor because he only invested in one thing, the provisions of God. He knew what God's promises were. He knew what God said he's going to do. He knows what God has done for him in the past. And I think we don't do a good job at looking backwards to what God has done for us in the past. And when a new problem comes, we try to look at it and go, 
I'll figure out how to fix that. And maybe you're looking for somebody else's armor. Maybe you're buying Dr. Phil's book or Oprah's book or whatever it may be. And you're not just stopping for a minute to let the provision of God that you know is on your life because you start with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Let's go back to the gratitude over anxiety. You can't worry about something if you're grateful for something. I'm not saying you've got to be grateful for this trial. Be grateful for something else. Let that anxiety go out of your mind and continue marching forward. Amen? All right, so, so I said that's a little bit of a stretch back. That's a David and Goliath story. It's very cartoonish. So I said, I'm going to read a little bit more onto David's life because I like that point, Lord, and I, I see what you want me to say there, and it's very valuable. My gosh, is it almost noon? We are motoring out of this thing. So I read a little bit further into the next piece of 2 Samuel, and I found another story because David had got there, and, and he's now anointed king in 2 Samuel. So I'm going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 5, starting at 17, if you want to follow along. Um, this is my, my pseudo big circle back to the beginning of this. This is this part that I think that we are living in and we can take from. It says, when the Philistines, so David defeats Philistine, and he's now the king. So that's the context. That's all I'll give you for here. But it says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, but David heard of it. He went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephim, and David inquired of the Lord. I was going to read this whole thing and then go back and dissect it. I don't want to do that for sake of time. So I'm just going to pause there for a minute. What happened? David knew somebody was coming after him. So he's got a new Goliath in his past. What, what did he do first? David inquired of the Lord. That's prayer and supplication. I have a very specific problem coming my way. Those Philistines, specific for all you teachers, I'm sorry, I was just kidding. Um, but I have the Philistines coming my way, and I have to defeat them because I am the king. What do I do? First and foremost, David inquired of the Lord. That's what we should be doing, amen? In case you don't pick up any other points from this whole story, that's the point. Something starts, you inquire of the Lord. Simple inquiry. Shall I go up against the Philistines? Question mark. Will you give them into my hand? Because he had in the past. So he understands as king what's going down here. And the Lord said to David, go up. For I will certainly give the Philistine into your hand. And David came to Baal Perazim. And David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, that name of that place is Baal, Perazim. And the Philistines left their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. So let's stop for a moment, because I'm going to keep reading in a second. David said, oh no, here come the Philistines. I'm the king. They've got to die. That's just how life works now. Um, I've got an army. Common sense would say, let's go that way and just head them off. But he doesn't. He starts by praying. He starts by inquiring of the Lord. Amen? So if I'm going back to how do I keep contentment, how do I keep gratitude and anxiety, gratitude up and anxiety at a low, I go back to the source that's going to tell me how exactly I should fight my enemies because I can't wear somebody else's armor because it don't fit. It's all about me. It's what God has for me. It's what I know God has done for me in the past that God's going to do for me in the future, but I have to start, not end, with praying to God, right? So everything is well, right? Everything is good. This is the part that really threw me for a loop. This is the really cool part in this. And it says, and the Philistines, so, 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 and the Philistines left their idols there and David and his men carried them away. So like they won that battle and stopped. They're all headed back to their camp, right? 
And it says, it says, the Philistines came up yet again. So visually think about this with me. They done just finished a battle. David prayed, said, will you deliver them? God said, I will deliver them. Boom, go that way. They went that way. They win. All is well. Those are like our giants in life. All these problems that we have, we don't be looking for... No, we don't go looking for somebody else's solution to a problem that God will lead us through because we know that he's done it before. We start with God. We pray. We pray in supplication. We give a little thanksgiving. We get a little content. Here's the part that I'm terrible at. David just finished a battle, and here they come again. Here come the, just imagine I don't have a microphone. Just imagine. I mean, we're all celebrating. We're chilling. We're going back to our camp, and we're halfway there. It doesn't say how far they were. I could probably do some studying. But they're, and now they hear them. They're coming back again, right? Obviously, if they did, just got done delivering them into David's hands, he killed them, took their stuff, but now they're coming again. My opinion would be I just turn around and we fight, right? We just, we just, just you read ahead. You have to stop for a minute. And, and, and my imagination would go, oh, they want round two, here it comes. You know what I mean? It's, it's no problem because we just did it. God delivered them. Why wouldn't he deliver them again? The cool part is we need to be like David. Look at your neighbor and say, we need to be like David. No, 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 wait, wait. I watch a lot of preaching all week long, and I, I never wanted to be that one that would say, say to your neighbor, but I just did it because it came out. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to be like David. Do I got to be more specific? Look to the neighbor to your right and say, we got to be more like David. Just so it's not weird, if you're at home streaming right now, look at your neighbor and say, you got to be like David. So, so David says, it says, the Philistines came up yet again and spread out in the valley of Rephim. And when, and, and when David inquired of the Lord, wait, what? So he hears that they're coming again, but before he just turned around and get ready to fight, what did he do? Okay, so, so they're halfway home, and here they come again. He's already beat them once. The simple answer would be our flesh says, just turn around and fight them again, no problem. But he stopped, and he inquired of the Lord again. Again, think about looking at your neighbor. I won't make you do it and say, we got to be more like David. Because what this tells me is that we go through a trial that we've already gone through a little bit of before, and we look back and go, well, God, we've, me and you have been down this road before. I've already had this situation in my life. I know how to fix it because here's what I did. That's what we like to do as a society. Yes, God got us through the first one, but sometimes we think that it was on our own volition that we got through whatever that trial is in life. And, and we get to the point and go, well, Lord, I've, I've been down this road. I know my directions. So now I start down the road of another trial without inquiring of the Lord, and I find that to be problematic. And I'm going to use this piece of scripture in the Old Testament to tie that whole thing together because God doesn't say just turn around and beat him up again. It says, and the Philistines came up yet again, and when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you shall not go up, but go around to the back and come against them opposite the balsam trees. I don't know what you're reading this morning, whether uh, it's going to say mulberry, it's going to say balsam, it's going to say poplar, and none of that is the point. Ooh, there we go. And he says, and when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself, for then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. Hold that right there for a minute, Stephen. Go back to that for just a second. The point that I have to be here, you have to study the word, because if you read that quickly, you're not picking up on all of what's happening. You're going through a trial again in life. David knows how to get out of that. We've got to be more like David. But David says, Lord, what should I do now? Here they come again. And the Lord says, you know what? This time we're going to do it differently. 
This time it's still not about you. <clears throat> this time he says, go out around them and hide behind them. Flank them. If you've ever been in the military, I think that's the term. Get out there and now come around the back. But, but the part that you have to read in context, because he doesn't use those words, it says, when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself. Well, I'm 41. I don't use the term rouse yourself, right? So like I had to go, wait a minute, what, what does that mean? Well, that means that to, to rouse yourself means you've got to get up. Well, if I have to get up, what does that mean he was doing? Somebody help me out that we're on the same page here. What? Whatever. Yeah, laying down, resting, doing whatever. He was waiting. Let's all for a minute look around and say we are terrible at waiting. All right, I'll be on my own island there for that one. I am terrible at waiting because David already knew that he beat those guys once. God says just go around back. But he has to get to those trees and wait. What is he waiting for? He has to wait to hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the balsam trees before he can rouse himself and go win the fight. I am terrible at patience. But at the end of the day, if we are going to act more like David, we are going to approach our giants, we are going to approach our Goliaths, if we are going to start with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, we have to wait. I think that's what that word content, as Paul talks about in Philippians, I won't keep go reading that, but as it, as it gets down there, he says, I've been here, I've had everything, I've had nothing, I've been hungry, I've had nothing, but in all those things I am content. Well, I think that you have to wait in that contentment. That contentment has a piece of waiting for what the Lord is going to do because if we get to the point of listening to the Lord and going behind our problems and waiting for God to tell us how to proceed, he likes that patience in our waiting because then it's not about us, it's about him. Let's go back to the beginning of what David said. When David said, I've beat this bear, I've beat this lion, I've pulled on his chin, I've cut his head off, I've done all this, and he goes on to say, the Lord delivered all that for me. I did it with my hands, but the Lord delivered it. I'm living by what the Lord is doing through me. I personally, at 41 years old, want to live according to what the Lord wants to do through me in every situation that comes up, every trial, every big thing, every little thing, every piece of verse that I want to give to you. I have to stop in prayer and supplication, find some thanksgiving, get content in it, and approach every problem between me and the Lord. Amen? I'm going to land this plane. Y'all have to come stop. You, yeah, just we, I need your guitar playing to get me to quit. That's my point. So I, I ended up in the Old Testament with David because the story was cool. And God allowed me to read a story that we've seen on Veggie Tales and we've gone through everything else. And the story in our mind is typically always about an underdog can beat a big guy when God is on your side. That feels good. But you can't do it with somebody else's armor. Amen. You've got to stop looking around at your friends, the people that are in your inner circle, all of those things that are happening and go, they did it this way. They've been through. It's not you. It's not you. God wants you to get into those mulberry, poplar, balsam tree and wait. So I, I don't give homework, but that's the homework. Are you there? Are you waiting? Are you listening? You know the problem that's ahead because it's yours. It's not mine. Nobody else knows it. Nobody else knows how to help you through that. But the Lord says, are you waiting with me? And I'm going to read it one last time because it's important that we're going to end here. It says, do not be anxious about anything. And that's not easy to do. But by everything, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And this is what we desire, to see that last day 
This is what we desire. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So my question for you is, what's happening in your life? I have no idea. Unless you've told me specifically, I have no idea. The problem is, is God knows. As all of this has been talking this morning, as all of the word that I pray so deeply for him to give me, to give to you, you internalize it and there are things that you're seeing in your mind, whether it be a financial trouble, a spiritual trouble, somebody that you know, like there are situations, there are Goliaths that might be two foot or 25 feet. You've all got them. If you don't, I want to come hang out with you more often. We've all got them. That's why we sing songs that say there will come a day that everything will be great, but until then it is not. We are living life. Luke's biggest thing is that our discipleship is strong here, so we live it together, but you have to go to God with that and walk with God through that. We will be there for that process, but you have to wait. So my question for you, and we will just end. If you will stand this morning, my question for you is, what is your Goliath? What is your giant? And are you trying to put on Saul's armor to fight a battle that's not Saul's, to fight a battle that's yours?